4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. Well, you know, I think there are people who listen to Cofield and Company and they're like, man, these guys do these COVID updates like every day. Well, first of all, they're newsworthy. I don't want to do them. Of I'm tired. Get I just vaccinated. Want to, I just want to get back to covering football without who's freaking, you know, traced, who's out. Uh, and now we just got breaking news that the uh, GM for the Raiders, Mike Mayock, has tested positive. So he hasn't been around the last couple of days. You were you were starting to get a little suspicious. I was annoyed at myself just because I, I had said to some people today on the sideline, like, I haven't seen Mayock at all the last few days. It's weird. But of course, just like, oh, he must be off scouting or whatever. He didn't even, didn't think, OK, yeah. maybe he's on the COVID list. And, and then we got the we got the Viking situation where their quarterback room is virtually empty. Uh, they just signed. I think it was. Uh, Danny Edling, is that who it is? A kid from Purdue. Just because they need someone to freaking, you know, they, they only had one guy, I think. They need to practice. Play. Kellen Mond, uh, you know, he tested positive, and you get the tracing with Kirk Cousins. So it's a mess. Uh, I want to get into the Bengals because we're doing our Cofield and Company uh, countdown, and the Bengals are sitting at number 28. Mo Eggers done uh, radio in Cincinnati for a long time. He's one of the national hosts on ESPN Radio National. He joins Stephen Adam here in Vegas. Mo, how you doing? Great, guys. What's up? You know, before we get to the Bengals stuff, can you can you give me your general take on, on what's happening here in terms of I thought teams would be a lot smarter about not having guys around each other, especially the unvaxxed around the vaccinated. Yeah, and it kind of felt like at the outset of things that that was the case. And, and now it sort of feels like I don't know if they're 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 wary of the influence of the NFLPA, but I really thought this was going to unfold a lot more smoothly than it has so far. Now, here in Cincinnati, the team claims to have an over 90% vaccination rate, and I think that's going to really inch closer to 100% before we get to week one. But, yeah, I, I thought this was going to turn out a little bit differently. For the Bengals, did that surprise you, or are you expecting troubles this time around? Um, I can't say that I, I, I knew that the vaccination rate was going to be so high. I, I, I do think it's, it's interesting, you know, for a coach who goes into a really huge year, um, this offseason could not have unfolded more normally um, because they had unanimous uh, unanimous attendance at OTAs. Uh, everybody seems to be on board with Zach Taylor. And, and look, th- there are competitive advantages to having a team that hits the vaccination threshold. And Zach Taylor rewarded his team for hitting that threshold by basically canceling minicamp. And so... Um, they seem to have a bunch of guys who are, you know, they, 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 they want to be here and that hasn't always been the case in Cincinnati. They seem to have a bunch of guys who are kind of all in on what's a big year for this franchise. And that started with being able to go through training camp uninterrupted, being able to meet as a unit, being, being able to meet in, in position groups, having practices unfold like normal. And that didn't come if you didn't hit the threshold. And so this team hit the threshold very early. Mo Egger, uh, ESPN Cincinnati, helping us preview the Bengals. So where is Burrow right now in terms of health? How has he looked so far? Uh, he's cleared for everything. He hasn't missed a practice yet. He looks shaky, uh, to be honest with you. And I, I, I don't know that I attribute that to the knee. He just He's had a bad couple of days of practice. Mm. Um, I, I think some of that might be encouraging if you look at the, question, the questions they have surrounding their defense. But they seem to not be really worried about his health. Um, he went through OTAs. He showed up. And he didn't just stand there on the sideline. He participated. Now they put the pads on tomorrow for the first time. So it's going to be interesting to see his level of involvement. Um, 
clearly they're going to do everything they can to protect him. The owner of the team said that it's unlikely that he plays at all during the preseason. Uh, Zach Taylor, the coach, has kind of walked that back a little bit, but still they're, they're going to manage him carefully. Uh, he looks rusty. He, he looks like a guy that's got to get on the same page and, and, and needs time to build chemistry. He's still wearing a knee brace. He claims he's targeting the opener and he's going to be okay. If you look at the last couple of days of practice, those who were there would tell you, you know what, uh, he's got a ways to go. But if you just go by what they're allowing him to do, I think you have to feel pretty good about him playing the opener. And if he does, you know, we're all expecting a huge year-two leap from Joe Burrow, and, and frankly, there's no reason not to. Well, I mean, I guess if there was one reason, it would be it would be the deep ball. I mean, he showed last year maturity, poise, everything until he got hurt. And I'm sure the grade is incomplete on Burrow because he was hurt and missed you know a significant part of the second half of the season. Uh, but was there any concern coming out of last year around the organization of, hey, this guy's really good underneath. He's showing maturity, poise, all these things. He just can't throw the ball down the field. Uh, no, because they didn't have a threat downfield, and they addressed yeah. that in the draft. Or at least they feel like they've, they've addressed it in the draft with yeah. uh, Jamar Chase. The, the very first guy who would tell you that I have to be better throwing the ball downfield, I just tipped it off. It would be Joe Burrow. He said that since after the first game. I've got to be better connecting downfield. But, you know, let's be honest. Uh, he was playing with an, you know, an older, uh, not as effective A.J. Green. They didn't have any other real downfield threat. They feel like Jamar Chase and a better offensive line can solve that. But, yeah, if you were to look at uh, his rookie season, at least up until the point that he got hurt, I think you'd be pretty pleased with his growth game to game. You'd be pleased with all the intangibles. You'd be pleased with how he played in pressure situations. You certainly would be pleased with how he handled pressure on the field. But uh, that was the one deficiency, and obviously it remains to be seen if they've uh, successfully addressed that deficiency. I I love Jamar Chase coming out. I thought uh, he was he was a pretty uh, uh, pretty can't miss prospect at wide receiver. But I I do wonder how much Burrow weighed in on that pick. Like how much influence do you think he had on them actually making the pick? Not that it was a stretch. I thought it was the right pick. But I just wonder how much influence he tried to have. I think that you know. Look, I mean, you'd be you'd be out of your mind if you're thinking about drafting a wide receiver who had a great year with your quarterback. You'd be out of your mind to not what he says but they all all parties involved went out of their way this offseason to say look do we do we get joe burrow's opinion yes was it the deciding factor by no stretch of the imagination and you know i i think there's a difference between letting joe make the pick and letting joe weigh in on the various options i guarantee you uh that he wanted jamar chase i also guarantee you that had they taken Panay Sewell or somebody else, Joe Burrow would have been fine with that. I think to a degree he's still willing to defer to the organization. Here's what you guys think is right. Uh, go ahead and do it. But, yeah, I played with Jamar Chase. I loved him as a teammate. Love what he can do for us offensively. And I'm sure he gave them uh, his ringing endorsement of Jamar Chase. But they didn't let him cast the deciding vote. They didn't let him... <laughs> override anybody in the organization um but yeah sure did 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 he have a say absolutely and and i i, I guarantee you that he uh whatever say that was uh, pointed favor favorably towards uh, taking jamar chase do you like the pick chase over Sewell? i do and, and look had they taken panay Sewell, i wouldn't have had a major issue with it i mean how can you right you haven't had a very good offensive line for a number of years, and you're going to take the guy that many believe is the best offensive lineman. You can't argue with that logic. At the same time, 
I understand what they're trying to do. Number one, it's not like they left the offensive line go unaddressed. They did sign a right tackle in Riley Reef, who represents an upgrade from the player they had there last year. They did take a lineman they really like in round two, Jackson Carmen, who I think is a pretty good bet to start at guard, at least at the outset, and then ultimately move to tackle. They did use the 11th overall pick two years ago in Jonah Williams, and I think they feel like if, if we can get him on the field, and he's only played 10 games in two years, we're going to have a top-end left tackle. Uh, I think they feel like their offensive line is going to be better. Uh, but I think what they wanted to do was, number one, add a dimension of explosiveness to the offense that they felt no other wide receiver was capable of adding. And I just think they wanted to be elite at a certain position. And if your wide receiver group has T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase, if Jamar is as good as they think, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. Now, yes, Joe got carted off the field last year because Michael Jordan, their left guard, uh, couldn't throw a block. And you are being very fair if you wonder if the strategy is going to pay off. You are being very fair if you trust anything the Bengals do with the offensive line because of all of the recent picks that they've used at that position group that haven't worked out. But in a vacuum, I understood what they were trying to do, and I didn't, I didn't disagree with it. I think an elite wide receiver group can really help you do some things offensively that allow you to mitigate what you're not able to do up front. I saw this with Andy Dalton. He was great at getting rid of the football quickly in 2015, and he had a good offensive line in front of him, but he had guys getting open on every single play. It, it was never a matter of having to wait for somebody to get open. I think that's what they're trying to do with their skill guys this year behind an offensive line that I think top to bottom they believe is going to be better in 2021, but I also don't think they think their work is done on the offensive line. And so regardless of how this year unfolds, when we talk about draft picks in 2022, we're probably still going to be talking about the interior of that offensive line. Right. Uh, Mo Eggers with us. Bengals expert, Cincinnati uh, ESPN, and he uh, is doing national ESPN all the time. I love the ups and downs of camp reporting early on, uh, kind of going overboard on some of the young guys. So I wonder what this headline means. You tell me. Uh, headline is, a trash-talking Bengals defense is dominating training camp so far. What does that mean? Uh, and, and is this Bengals defense going to be a lot better? Um, I think that's the, the biggest question about this season. What did that mean today? It means for a second consecutive full practice, the defense dominated the offense. And and that was the story on Friday, and it was the story today. And those guys are starting to feel it because, look, I mean, I think everybody believes the strength of this team is going to be its offense. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, Jamar Chase. I, I think there's a lot of people who feel like I think the team itself feels like their offense has a chance to be pretty good. Defense is the unknown. And – it's really interesting to, to sort of look at what they've done for, for all the talk of, you know, changing quarterbacks, moving from Andy Dalton to Joe Burrow and what they've done on that side of the ball, where they've made the heaviest investments and where they've had the most turnover has been on defense. And what that's going to add up to this year, I don't know, because they have a lot of guys that if you're a, if you're a casual NFL fan or if you're an NFL fan but you don't really follow the Bengals, you're going to watch them this year and see guys on the field and go, oh, yeah. That guy's there now, or wait a minute, he's still in the league, or wait a minute, that guy's with the Bengals? I'm not sure all that's going to add up to a very good defense. I think the ceiling for this defense is they're somewhere in the middle of the pack, and if they are, you hope Joe Burrow can outscore people. I certainly believe it's viable to think that this defense is not going to be very good. They didn't have much of a pass rush last year and their best pass rusher left in free agency. They replaced Carl Lawson with Trey Hendrickson, who had a really good year with New Orleans last year, 
but it was his first productive season. What are you getting? In the secondary, Jesse Bates is an elite safety. Beyond him, anybody in that secondary, I have no idea. So you have some draft choices on defense, but you're always there's always some uh, folly in, in relying on rookies to overhaul what you're doing. So the names are different. Uh, I think to a degree the schemes might be different. I'm not completely convinced the results are going to be that different, but if you're going glass half full, glass half empty with what's happening in training camp, I guess you could look at it half full and go, well, a defense that's not supposed to be very good or that has a seemingly low ceiling is doing its thing, and they're starting to feel it against uh, against Joe Burrow in that offense. What is the organizational, I guess, plan or, or timeline, however you want to look at it, for you know, where they want to be, because you look around, you're like, yeah, you're putting together some good young players. There's there's probably going to be some progress. You like the optimism for the future. But, hey, we're sitting in a division with Baltimore and Cleveland who are probably going to be good for a while. Like, it seems like you, you have some time to develop, but what are they looking at in terms of a timeline? I think when you draft a quarterback number one overall and he's under a rookie contract and you think he's going to be really good, you're trying to win while he's in that rookie contract. And yeah. that might seem far-fetched, and, and I, I won't say that it doesn't because they won just four games last year. Nobody has any real idea if the head coach is the right answer. But, you know, if, if you talk to the people at Paul Brown Stadium, uh, I think they would tell you the idea is this season to take a significant step forward in the win column to the extent that they feel like next year they can compete for a division championship. And if you're competing for a division championship, you know, you put yourself in a pretty good place to advance in the postseason, which obviously this franchise hasn't done. I think if we get to the end of Joe Burrow's rookie deal, which is, you know, obviously four years in the fifth-year option, and, and we haven't seen this team in the postseason multiple times, that's a massive disappointment. But the, the idea here was to take advantage of the payroll flexibility afforded by a quarterback who's not making that much money, which is going to be a heck of a lot easier next year when the salary cap goes up, and we believe he can play himself into a top-five quarterback. And if you have those things, you're supposed to compete. In this division, that's obviously going to be very, very difficult. But I, I, I feel like they think, and I feel like a lot of people think it's plausible, that by the end of the year you're going to be able to look at Joe Burrow and say he's the best quarterback in the division. Uh, Lamar Jackson has some throwing limitations, or at least he's shown that he has so far. The Browns took the football out of Baker Mayfield's hands last year. Are they going to lock into him long term? Ben Roethlisberger is almost my age. That's never good. And I think he weighs more than me. That's really never good. So I think they view themselves in the division as within a year, they're going to be able to say, we have the best guy at the most important position. Do they have the best coach? Remains to be seen. Do they have the best roster right now? Uh, no. Do they have the best and most qualified front office? Very fair to wonder. But within the framework of a, a quarterback under a rookie contract that they think has a huge ceiling, I think they believe that over the next uh, three, four years uh, that they can compete for something meaningful and they have to take a major step towards doing that this season. Bengals over under win total six and a half. You going over? I'm going over slightly. Uh, in, in large part, I think their schedule early is a little favorable. I do think they have a chance against Pittsburgh twice. They beat them at Paul Brown Stadium last year. I think Joe Burrow, if he plays 17 games, is, is, is worth betting on. I wouldn't take it over seven. I still, I still have a weird feeling it's going to come back to six. 
But six and a half means they got to go seven and ten. That means they win three more games than last year with obviously one more game on the schedule. If you can't do that, if your quarterback's healthy, then what are we doing? So I'm going to go over. <laughs> I think the Bengals are going to win seven games, maybe eight, and you'll cash your ticket if you took the over six and a half. The, uh, the game against the Raiders here is gigantic in that over-under prop. It's on November 21st. Uh, Bengals fans will travel to Vegas in the hundreds or thousands. Like, how good do Bengals fans travel, and especially because it's Vegas? Well, Bengals fans do travel pretty well. We've been focusing on the Vegas thing. I'm literally part of a, a group text, like three different group texts of, of friends of mine, all trying to figure out how to go. So, uh, it's especially if this team ends up being decent, like not even good, decent. It's Vegas. It's the first time they're out there. Uh, obviously, there's a huge appetite for people to go watch sporting events now. I think you're going to see a lot of Bengals fans make the trip, and and you know, which might mean that fans who ordinarily would go to a place like Chicago because they play the Bears, they're not going to go there, or, or to a, a game like Cleveland, maybe they're not going to go there. They play at Detroit this year, which is about about four hours away, maybe they're not going to go there, and instead they're going to put all their eggs in uh, in the Vegas basket. So yeah, I I tend to think that uh, that you're going to see a lot of Bengals fans in Vegas in uh, in November, and I hope to be among them. I will make a, a surprising declaration. I like Skyline Chili. Uh, oh. I think this could be the first time ever we've had someone on the show who also likes Skyline Chili. Mo, please back me up on this. It's delicious. I eat Skyline twice a week. Oh, there you go. once on one, once on Tuesday nights, and another on Friday afternoons. Now I, you know, I grew up on it. Oh, uh, it is my favorite thing. I, I certainly understand that it can be a little bit of an acquired taste, but you know, for those who don't like it and have had it, that's fine. All I would do is say, if you haven't had it, give it a shot, let it win you over. I've had this conversation with a lot of out of towners. I've taken them to skyline and I've not met anybody who didn't try it and say that that's at least pretty good. And some of them keep coming back time and again. Oh, wow. All right, Mo. That, you, believe me, that's spaghetti that, sauce on my spaghetti. How about that? Put spaghetti sauce on your spaghetti. Yes. Like you're all of a sudden you're hardcore Italiano. No, but I'm just I'm, it's just better than chili. I'll stop. This is the foolishness I've dealt with for 20 years doing radio. Here is every every moron on the show doesn't like skyline chili. I don't get it, Mo. I don't get it at all. Well, chili doesn't have to go on spaghetti. It can go on a hot dog, cheese yeah. coney hot dog. It can go yeah. in a bowl. I mean, you know, they make cholitos, which are basically burritos oh. with uh, skyline chili. You don't have to get it on your spaghetti. I, of course, love it with my spaghetti, some onions, some beans, some cold cheese, and you're good to go. It's called a Cincinnati five-way, a little bit different than the five ways they have in Vegas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mo. Hey, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time. That was really good. Okay, I'll see you guys. Okay, Thanks, there man. he is. Mo Egger fills in uh, on uh, ESPN National. He's been doing radio for a long time. In Cincy, afternoon host on ESPN 1530. I was waiting for a Cincinnati guy to come on and be like, nope, terrible. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I can't win this battle. I got no shot here. You can't even do the hot dog with the chili on it and the cheese. Have you had it? I like real chili. I don't know what it's that different stuff kind of, is. It's a different kind of chili. Yeah, That's I don't. All. Know, I, I like chili. I don't know. But what you're not even a spicy is. person. What does it matter? I don't, I don't know what they're trying to go for. Uh, believe me, I'm not surprised. Adam's been staunchly against Skyline Chili. Going back to the days where we were like super big fella show. Um, even Sports Big didn't like it, which is shocking. I don't, is there anything but that he found didn't like? one thing, but he didn't, he didn't like skyline chili. I, I told, I oh. once again, told the story the other day of 
when we had six pieces of garlic bread and he had four and he's like i wasn't counting yeah oh the the, uh, the six piece uh, breakdown there's three with, of us there's six people. pieces of bread he wasn't good each at of math. us get two he wasn't good at math i wasn't counting it was not a strong suit i'm telling you <laughs> he did a calculator he needed the abacus to figure out the uh the two slices a piece all right coming up we're gonna get to the fat pack in about uh, 15 minutes where we got football frenzy headlines, including uh, more of the details on the Viking situation where right now they're down most of their quarterbacks because of a positive COVID test. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Stick around. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. From the first day I met him, he always was one of them guys that he don't say too much. I mean, he might crack a couple jokes every now and then, but he just go about his business and he works. I mean, they called me a few times. They called, they called me a few times and asked me what was my thoughts and like what was my relationship with him. Very intense times. Very intense times. Can Alex Leatherwood get the job done? First round pick, likely starting right tackle, unless that doesn't work out and then maybe moves inside. We'll see. Josh Jacobs talking about former Alabama guy who's got a lot of familiarity with Alex Leatherwood. Who we talked about Burrow and, and Chase. Uh, Josh Jacobs said he weighed in on on Leatherwood and kind of lobbied for the draft pick to be made. So this this happens all around the league for sure. And in the Raiders' case, I mean, they basically just draft guys from two schools. So uh, not not a big surprise. It was Alabama or Clemson. So bad news out of Raiders' camp. Uh, another COVID positive test. Mike Mayock, uh, you said, has not been around for a couple of days. Official today that he tested positive. He is fully vaxxed though, right? Yeah. And as he he's doing okay. Out, yes, he pointed out. He said thankful that he's fully vaxxed because it uh, could have been a lot worse. Symptoms were just very minor. And uh, sounds like he's feeling better. We'll be back soon. He has 10 days to be away from the team. I think last time I saw him was about three or four days ago. So um, probably about another week left and uh, he'll be back. Important to note, as he was vaccinated, you can still get COVID, but usually the symptoms will be lessened. And uh, he said that is the case with him after consultation with his doctor. So this Viking situation with the quarterback room, uh, folks haven't seen it. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Kellen Mond, and Nate Stanley are all on the COVID list. It turns out, I believe, that Mond is the positive dude with COVID or has the uh, – he came up with COVID. Cousins and Stanley are contacts? Sounds like it. Okay. Yeah. And Jake Browning is the only quarterback who's upright. They just brought in Danny Etling. Uh, I will tell you that. Mike Zimmer did not mince any words, and when he did so, they actually put it out on the Vikings' Twitter account. Like, we we freaking mean this. So Zimmer said, you know, quite honestly, after everything we went through last year, I'm not surprised one bit, you know, that they're having troubles with positive COVID tests and COVID issues. He goes, I'm disappointed that this happened. I'm frustrated, not, with just, uh, not just with my football players who didn't get vaccinated, but I'm frustrated with everybody who didn't. Um... We'll just do the best we can. It's disappointing. And then of Jake Browning, the kid out of what, Washington, right? Yeah. Um, he said, Jake's really smart. 
Why do you think he said he's really smart? Is it a, it's a vaccination issue, I yes. imagine. Yeah. 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 He said he's vaccinated. That helps to be the backup. <laughs> so Mike Zimmer says, uh, as we move forward here, he's going to get a ton of reps. Uh, he's out there. He's available. That's important. It's important to be available when you're playing football, a team sport. I think there's going to be a real wake-up call with some of these first rounds of cuts. Oh, and they're not going to say it. No. But, listen, is Kellen Mond going to be cut? No, they spent a draft pick on him. But other guys, if they're on the fence, I, I think I, I, don't, I don't think there's going to be any toleration of this. Well, I think it's a tiebreaker, one. But I also think the, the other side is where you'll see it. It's not going to be in guys that get cut. It's going to be how quickly guys get signed. Uh, once they're out there. Well, yeah. Or guys that are on the street now that are free agents. If you well, you told me last year, right? That you told me last year there was like this whole thing, you know, kind of off to the side about who was available. Yeah, right. Who was who was getting tested? There's guys that that were getting tested every day, right? So that if if a team had an opening, we're talking free agents last year. You could be like, hey, I'm in the pool. I'm tested every day. Let's go. Right. Instead of like a six day process to get somebody in. So again, this is beyond the health issues and and everything else. Like that, people should be getting vaccinated. This This is a business thing. It's it's like it's like a you you want to be a real estate agent and you're like waiting for a job. You're like, well, I don't have my license, but if somebody hires me, I'll, I'll go get that license. No, get your license, yeah. be ready to go if somebody needs needs somebody because you're going to be ahead of people that don't. That's that's what we're dealing with here, and and I think you're going to see a lot of guys. I also have talked to a couple agents this week that have said, you know, I had a guy that was like, I'm not doing it, and I showed up to camp and I was like. I'm doing it. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be, a, this is insane. Why would I do this to my teammates? Why would I do it to myself? This is crazy. I'm getting the, va- the vaccine, which is true. I just want to add one more thing on Zimmer. He was asked, why won't some of your players get vaccinated? His answer is amazing. He goes, some of the, some of these things they read out there are just woof, out there. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. One owns a meat slicer, the other an air fryer. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. We got a ton of NBA action. Off-season action going on, so we'll tell you about some of the latest deals that are uh, signed and speculation and updates on Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, Gary Trent, Lonzo Ball. It's all coming up. It's all coming up. Adam Hills here. It's Cofield. All right, Fat Pack. Mike Muscala. I didn't see it. Was there a Mike Muscala update? Give it, it to me. Just now. Just What's now. going on? It's going back to Oklahoma City. Two years. No. <laughs> How much money? Two years, seven and a half million. Oh, come on. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no take on that at all. Alex Lynn, Sacramento Kings. Let's go. All day. Seems like the, the big men uh, can stick around. Maybe sure. mostly as practice players, but hey, whatever. NBA's got plenty of money to be an NBA player. Just be productive and practice, and you can make a nice living. Uh, so, Fat Pack today, uh, another one of those national days to mention. You know I'm all over this one. Big ice cream guy. And big ice cream sandwich guy. It's a national ice cream sandwich day. I don't know what the rules are on this one, but I'll expand it out to any sort of sandwichy, like bar type thing. See if I'm violating national ice cream sandwich day here. Uh, first of all, there's the you know kind of the old school, basically like the devil dog, you know, with the ice cream in the middle. 
Sure. You know, little chocolate cakes. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right now. Okay. That's Are you it. not an ice cream sandwich guy? No. No, I think we expand it out. Deli- no, that's it. I think we. Well, technically, th- these are sandwiches. No, like the Chip Witch. Chip Witch is a sandwich. No. It's two cookies and ice cream. It's not, it's not an ice cream sandwich. I love the Chip Witch. So do I. It's, it should have its own day. Man. I actually wanted to throw in a Klondike bar. No. And I'll also throw in the Choco Taco. <laughs> Taco's not a I sandwich. love the Choco Taco. Is, this, is a taco a sandwich? Uh, I mean, in essence, have you had a, cho- a Choco Taco before? It's delicious. It's, a, it's basically a sandwich. Well, what about a drumstick? Is a is a folded a pita is a folded pita a sandwich, but then a taco is not a sandwich? I think so, yeah. I mean, it's the same concept. Sure. Let's be honest here. Of course. I I mean, I feel like a a pita is a sandwich. If you can get if you're at a convenience store, you can get two ice cream sandwiches, the traditional ice cream sandwiches or a chip witch. Chip witch. You get the chip witch no matter what. Of course. But four I'm... four ice cream sandwiches for the same price as a chip witch. Oof. I think you're, you're thinking of the four. Although, they're melted. You can't eat four. Uh, I mean, I think I think if you're a good eater, you can basically finish an ice cream sandwich in two bites. But Yeah, but by the time you get to the second one, it's already you're, you're, we're in Vegas. Yeah. It's already melted. I also think you're really risking a head injury at that point. The ice cream headache? The freeze? I mean, if you eat two really quick. But they're going to warm up so much, it's not going to be that cold anymore. Have you noticed that big ice cream has shrunk? The Chip Witch and all of its kind of, of cheap knockoffs, they're tiny now. Of course, but they're also incredibly hard. Always. Well, that then it's, it's so it's more ideal than the ice cream sandwich anyway, because in this heat, you can actually let it soften up a little bit. Sure. It's not going to melt all over you. Yeah, God, yeah, I love the fair. Chip Witch. Unbel- unbelievable invention. I don't know when it came what about along. When they I, throw- just, I just remember in my teen years and in my 20s, again, when it was, I just loved hitting convenience stores. Oh, I think I, cl- I closed out a lot of nights with Chip Witches. <laughs> what about... <laughs> So stupid. Chip Witch on the ride what, home. What about when hit they, a wa- hit a Wawa, get a sub, and the Chip Witch for dessert at home. What about when they threw the uh, M and M's in there? I don't think I've had them. What? Oh. Like an M M&M and M Chip Witch? Is that right? Oh yeah. All right. What What did you? I mean, this is kind of different, I guess. But what did you go with? Like when you were a kid, when you would run to the the ice cream truck, what would you go with? Oh, I probably got those stupid pops, the tricolor like like, rocket pop. Yeah. It was, I'm old, man. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think they had. I think you had sandwiches. First of all, how about this? Oh, you know what? If if they could do it, if they were like an advanced truck, then I would probably get either a soft serve with sprinkles, or I really like the. the you can't get soft serve from the truck. We had we had high level we had high level trucks. What's going on in Jersey? Oh, yeah. We had high level trucks. By by the way, my father uh, drove a uh, Italian ice truck for a couple of years. Okay. Hey, come over here. Have some Italian. This is waste management. But I yeah I also I was a big fan of the uh, the chocolate dipped that freaking shell. Of course. I don't, like whatever. It's a whatever, freak of nature. Whatever scientists came up with that, it's unbelievable. Uh, my my brother worked at Dairy Queen for like three days, and I was like, all I need to know is how they do that. How do they dip the ice cream into the into the thing, and then it's a hard shell. It's amazing. Uh, I would go chocolate eclair. The chocolate eclair bar. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, When's the last time you ran out of the house to, when you heard the truck driving through the neighborhood? They don't come through so high. Oh, they, oh, they don't? Is that right? Are they banned? Uh, probably. I mean, everything else is a violation of the HOA. I'm sure that is, too. Is that you really? You think HOAs have banned ice cream trucks? I've never. I haven't seen one. Boy, there's a guy with, I'll tell you, he's got like a 73 Dodge. And the music doesn't really work. Are you it's sure like, it's a... And it's Pop Goes the Weasel, so it's like that kind of creepy thing. It's traditional ice cream truck. 
sound. He's still working. Still has a 73 Dodge. I mean, are we sure he's an actual ice cream man or is he just creeping people out? Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Company's eye on sports betting with John Von Tobel. Busy afternoon with uh, NBA news. We'll get to Von Tobel here in a second. Get his reaction on uh, two of the big signings, two of the big updates in the NBA. Chris Paul back to the Suns for upwards of uh, $120 million. And Wayne Ellington to the Lakers. John Von Tobel, how are you, buddy? Good guys, yeah. Busy day, not as like crazy as past free agent days, at least in terms of big names, but been some impactful signings. Your reaction to Wayne Ellington to the Lakers? I didn't see it, and I don't really care. I mean, they're they're going to start to try it on the fringes to get these kind of guys, right? They just signed Trevor Ariza as well, who shot like thirty five percent from three, I think, last year. Um, and by the way, Lakers Twitter, uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> Trevor Ariza is going to clamp down Kevin Durant. So you have that. Um, no, like this is what they're going to do. When they have three guys with that much money on their roster, they're going to try to fill out the shooting spots as cheap as they possibly can. So let's hope that it works out. I just you know the Wayne Ellington comment was sarcasm on my part. So. You, you pulled a coconut on me. You're like, I don't care. Are they, well, are they going to – John, are they going to be good? I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm – look, I told Steve this the other day. I'm like, I'm not going to punt on the Lakers quite yet, right? Like, I have LeBron James. They have Anthony Davis. That's good for winning, you know, 50, 45-ish games and making the postseason. So they're going to be there. You know, I, I just think when you're talking about winning series against the best of the best in the NBA, right? So, you know, Western Conference semifinals, Western Conference finals, you, know, you have to win at the margin. And, like, those possessions where it's going to be Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis better be playing center. Like, that's, that's a must. It's not a, hey, you know, maybe we can get away with Marcus on a couple of possessions. No, like Anthony Davis is your center now if you want that lineup to work. So I think it can work, but it's on Anthony Davis, who has already commented in the last few days that he'll play a little more center, but it can't be a little bit more. Like, I think he should be their starting center going forward, but that's up to them. So I think they'll be good. They're obviously going to be a playoff team. It's just in those, like, late-game scenarios when all three are on the floor, what other lineups are they rolling out there? They have two reliable shooters out there with those three because if that's going to be the case, then it could work. But if not, then I don't see that working in any way whatsoever. I ask about this guy only because it's uh, one of our hometown heroes, but Zach Collins goes to San Antonio three years, $22 million. Is it trolling that Bleacher Report posted this story with Zach Collins sitting on the on the bench in street clothes? Yeah, absolutely. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, it's the only picture that's available of him, probably, in the last two years. He only played 11 games in 2019-2020. He didn't play last year, 2020-2021. Like, I, I honestly don't get it. And look, like, every year – the analysis with the, the Trailblazers has always been like, hey, man, that bench was Zach Collins. Like, I just I don't really understand it. Like, he might be a solid player, but you just don't know at this point right now. He has been off injured. He has not been available. And for that kind of money, like, you're paying on projection of health and, of course, something that we haven't really seen a large sample size of. So I personally, I just don't really understand signing him in that kind of a price. I get you're, to a certain extent, buying low, but, like, the guy has had a horrid injury history, and it's none of his fault. I just don't – I didn't – that was the one signing that I saw. I was like, really? Like, we're doing this. Every year, it's Zach Collins. Watch out. But every year, it's watching him on the bench, and it sucks. Yep. The promise of the athletic big man. So, I'm happy for Collins that he's getting this money because uh, it was looking pretty devastating here with injury after injury. Uh, other big signings out there. Your thoughts on the boost that Kyle Lowry gives to the Heat? I mean, I think he gives them some – I think he gives them some good stuff. Look, 
if you go back to the year that they went to the finals, guys, one of the differences from the Orlando run to what they did a season ago was three-point shooting. Last year, they were there, that year they went to the finals, they were the second-best three-point shooting in the NBA. Right? They could still be, I think, a really solid defensive team, especially at the point of attack with Kyle Lowry. But I think the shooting is really what disappeared. Guys like Tyler Hero just completely fell off of the map. Gavin Adebayo regressed a little bit, but the shooting was the key for them in that year that they went to the finals. And Kyle Lowry's a really solid shooter. He has improved as the years have gone on throughout his career. He's going to add that. He's a really good defensive-minded point guard, so I think he works well with uh, Jimmy Butler. I think this is a really solid signing, and I think it's going to make the Miami Heat better. Now, if they're playing Brooklyn, are they going to be Brooklyn with this team? I don't think so. But are they going to at least be a better team than they were last year and probably a top-four seed in the Eastern Conference? I would say so. John Von Tobel's with us. We're talking uh, sports betting, talking NBA. He's a lead uh, NBA analyst at Beeson. Uh, last one on the NBA for me, uh, Adam, of course, uh, was crapping on the Bulls making the run at Lonzo Ball for $85 million. Your opinion? I, I think he's worth it. I, I love Lonzo Ball. I think he's great. He's a really good defensive-minded point guard. He is a good shooter. Like, over the last three years, he has shot about 38%. He isn't that aspect of his game. I don't think that's an aberration now at this point right now. And I think he is exactly what the Chicago needed. Like, that's a really poor defensive team. They don't really have anybody at the point of attack. Zach Levine, he tries, but he's not very good. And he's not like a high-volume type of guy like Zach Levine. I think he fits well with what they're doing. I think he's a really good player, and I would have paid for him on my team if I could have. My argument was once once Steve told me uh, that he had signed a big deal, I said, I guarantee it's a bad team. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, but like, think about So we'll put it this way, Adam. Like, what teams did you want him to go to? Because think of all the good teams, right? They're all kind of cash strapped, right? Like, the Brooklyn Nets are trying to fill out their roster uh, with draft picks and low, buy low guys, right? Uh, you look at the Los Angeles Lakers, who we just talked about. The Clippers are expecting to re sign Kawhi Leonard. We can go across the board and find the really good teams, and it's hard to pay that kind of a money to that kind of a player, right? And so I think that's why he lands where he is. I, the Clippers, remember, the Clippers were tied to Lonzo Ball to trade deadline last year. They just couldn't acquire him. So I would argue that I think good teams want him. Good teams just can't fit him into their payroll. Fair enough. Are the Rays a good team? I don't know how I'm transitioning that. Just wanted to ask about their, their market in the AL East now uh, after taking on the Red Sox. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this one because I have a ticket on the Rays of plus 275 to win. But they, like, they, And this isn't like anything tragic for the Boston Red Sox. But the Red Sox were a team that had opened up a pretty decent lead, what, like two or three weeks ago. And I think a lot of us had questions about the sustainability of Boston's model, right? Like the lineup, I think, is extremely good. But I think when you looked at the rotation and the pitching, like there were some questions and if there was going to be some regression. And I think the Rays are just really freaking good. And so they go and take care of business in this weekend series against Boston. And now all of a sudden they have a one-and-a-half game lead in the AL East. They are plus 105 to win the AL East after Boston had been the favorite to win that thing, I would say, for a good month or two now. So it's just interesting to see these changes now in the market when a team finally takes the lead. Like, I would have argued, and Steve and I have talked about it, that I think Tampa Bay was the better team all along, and we finally got a series against them, and they proved that there. So I do wonder if this is the start of something for Boston if they, you know, I don't know if slide is the proper term, but I wonder if we start to see that regression back down to earth, especially with that pitching staff after what we saw over the weekend. Odds on postseason awards. What's uh, what's the deal now with the NL Cy Young? That uh, Degrom, you know, it looks like he's not going to be back until at least September. So what's happening? So he's ten to one now. Like he's ten to one to win the National League <laughs> Cy Young, which is pretty crazy. He's going to be back in September, and I, I would think I would think that voters cannot talk themselves into giving him this award. 
because of missed time. Now, voters have done some really weird and dumb things, so I wouldn't put it past them. But if you look at the uh, the awards overall, and these are just the draft teams right now, as he slides all the way down to 10-1, to 1, you have a couple of guys now that take the place in the National League. Walker Bueller's your favorite, a plus 350. Zach Wheeler, our guy, plus 380. Then you have Burns and Woodruff at 4-1 to 1 and 425. Like, I don't know how much value is left in this board. I think, if anything, I, I honestly think that Zach Wheeler should be the favorite if, if Jacob DeGrom is knocked down to where he is. I think Walker Bueller's been really good, but I think he gets the edge and odds because he plays for the Dodgers. Like, I honestly think Wheeler has been the best pitcher in the National League outside of Jacob DeGrom in terms of consistency. Now, I have a ticket on Woodruff at 15-1, to 1, so I hope he pulls it off. But out of all of those guys, there might be some slight value in Wheeler just because I think he should be the favorite. Football and football betting is back on Thursday. Hall of Fame game. Steelers one and a half against Dallas. Do you have anything on that game? And then how do you approach the preseason? No, I mean, like, look, I'll probably echo some of the things that you guys have talked about already or that any of our listeners have heard, right? Because preseason is based all on information. And so it's always important to keep track of what coaches say, how they're going to approach these games. But I also think it's really important to note that line moves, right, and getting line value. So well, you'll see these lines get really volatile when some good information comes out. You'll see with the favorites. You'll see four or five point, point moves, stuff that you usually don't see in the National Football League regular season. But it's not necessarily value grabbing four with a team that was laying two, right, because it's all information-based. And so I'd always, like, always caution people when you're betting the National Football League preseason. It's all information-based. But don't think, hey, this team was a four point, you know, two point favorite. Now they're a four point underdog. That's a pretty good value. There's technically line value, but you got to realize that all of that is information based, and that line has been reset by the market for a reason. So I, I think you always got to keep that in mind. But it's always informational based. So watch press conferences, get a feel of what these teams are going to do. They'll tell you exactly what they want to do in terms of workload, and you can approach them from there. But these sharps, they jump on them quick, and these line moves will be really quick. So if you want to bet preseason, you got to get involved early. Olympic betting, men's basketball is back tonight. Quarterfinals. 940 start, Spain against USA, catching 12 and a half. Yeah, so you and I were talking, texting about this earlier, Steve. I, I think Team USA is going to win. You know, I've been very confident in the fact that Team USA was going to get better as the tournament went along, took care of business against the Czech Republic in a really big way over the weekend, and they beat the Spanish team, right, what, a week and a half ago in a friendly, and that second half it wasn't even close. They ran up and down the floor on Spain. You saw the edge in athleticism. You saw the edge in speed. The problem is, is that you're now playing over in Tokyo and you're laying four and a half more points than you were in the friendly competition. And, and that's a little bit of a problem for me. So I actually bet this thing under 179 and a half. I think that would be the way to go. I think the Spanish team does have some things with, uh, to work with on defense, but I think most of all, this defensive team for Team USA, they're getting better and better as I think the tournament goes along. And I think this might be a little bit lower scoring than 179 and a half. And I, I actually think there's some 180s out there too. Is there any reason that uh, Slovenia is steamed up to 16 and a half from 14 against Germany? I haven't seen anything I, like information-wise, but I do think it's just, hey, it's Luka Doncic, right? Like, a lot of people want to bet the Slovenia team. Doncic is an absolutely incredible, and it's another lesser opponent for the most part. Uh, I think that Slovenia is going to be a pretty solid bet-on team, and the market has moved in that direction because of that against these lesser opponents. Uh, but we'll see when they move on to the next round and who their competition might be because they haven't really faced the stiffest of competition yet in this tournament. All right, John. Enjoy your time off. We appreciate you uh, working for us on a day off. Thanks, man. <laughs> you got to go. See it. There he is, John Von Tobel, at me, JVT, at me, JVT, up on Twitter. And he's a lead NBA guy, jack of all trades for Visa. Five o'clock hours on the way. We'll get into the update on Mike Mayock and him dealing now with a positive COVID test. More on the Vikings mess in the quarterback room. Big injury. First starting quarterback to go down for a while. Carson Wentz down for somewhere between 
five and 12 weeks. What does that mean? Does that mean the Raiders could actually flip Marcus Mariota and get something of real value for him? And, oh, yeah, there's going to be a Nate Peterman mention in the 5 o'clock hour. Let's do it. Let's do it. 5 o'clock hour on the way, Cofield and company. Did you miss a show? Listen to podcasts from all your favorite ESPN Las Vegas shows at LVSportsNetwork.com. KWWN Las Vegas and KLAV Las Vegas.